0: What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another Warrior Wednesday here at Protector's Toolkit, where we say Christian safety and security is made simple just for you. Here at Protector's Toolkit, we have a guiding biblical principle I want to get out of the way early on to get us aligned to who we are and what we believe here at Protector's Toolkit. Is Proverbs eighteen fifteen: An intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Sometimes I got to go to the easy to read version of the Bible so I can understand things and it breaks it down like this over there. Wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And that's really what we're all about here at Protectors Toolkit, making sure we give you enough uh, information. Uh, Quite frankly, we want to make sure you're drinking from the fire hose here at Protectors Toolkit on everything you need to be able to protect your flocks. You guys and gals that are warriors, and I call you warriors because early on in the Bible, it tells us in Exodus, the Lord is a warrior, the Lord is his name. And so you guys and gals that agree to stand up in your church and be protectors for the flock. To stand there on the wall working with a working and having a sword in one hand while you do it. Uh, we just have a heart for you guys and gals doing that. So, I'm going to get into this pretty quickly tonight. Um, I've got my friend Bazo Baz here. Baz, um, it, it, I'm so grateful to have him on the program here tonight. Uh, I'm thankful that he's able to pause his schedule to pause his day. Now, you probably know this, uh, this guy, this, this, um, he's a bad butt actor from Hollywood. You know, he's hanging out with Raymond Reddington there, uh, James Spader. And uh, he, he is just such a, an amazing Christian man in the mission that he's doing in the recovery of children, the association for the recovery of children. I wanted to have him on to speak to that. Uh, so Boz, uh, for those aren't, that aren't aligned with you, could you just align them a little bit? Tell them a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure guy. Thanks. It's really good to be here. And God bless you guys for having the program on I'm a uh, Citadel graduate, former captain, of the United States Marine Corps. I was uh, one of the Marine Corps' first counterterrorism officers. Uh, and then, of course, I uh, was recruited by the CIA in uh, 1985, special operations, uh, ground branch, and maritime, and I had a great time. And then, uh, about around 1996, uh, I jumped ship to uh, push forward on a nonprofit called the Association for the Recovery of Children which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization of former intelligence, military and law enforcement officers who are dedicated to the rescue of missing, exploited and now trafficked American children. And then uh, not soon after that, uh, I dabbled a little bit in Hollywood and I was blessed to uh, have a full blown career for 27 years, uh, mostly to pay the pay the bills and the mortgage. Uh, Everybody does a little something because uh, uh, in the Association for the Recovery of Children, uh, we're all volunteer; no one gets a paycheck. So uh, that became my go-to job, and I was grateful to be a part of that. And of course, as you and I have talked, uh, most recently, got to co-star on uh, an NBC TV show called The Blacklist, uh, starring James Spader and a lot of other great people. And so now here we are.
0: Yeah, what what a what a just a. a- a long and lengthy career path to get you to, you know, what I think is God's calling in your life right now to the association for the recovery of children. You know, you and I have talked about some of the missions um, and we'll probably go into a couple of them, you know, obviously secrecy being what it, what it needs to be uh, just to hear though what, what you guys and the mission is all about. Cause I really want to direct people over to the website to make sure they're donating as well later on tonight. Um, if you're watching right now, I just want to make sure you get into the comment section. But more importantly than that, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this, I want you to share this with somebody. Somebody you know is going to be blessed by this. Make sure you hit that share button down at the bottom uh, so they get this information as well. Because we're, we're going to talk a little bit about something that's it's kind of difficult sometimes, but it's so vitally important to what we do as a protector. And I think there's a lot of things we can be doing not as a protector for our church only, but also as a church organization. I'm going to talk about some of that tonight. So, Maybe what some of the people want to know right up up front is uh, James Spader. Good guy or what?
1: Yeah, love him to death. Uh, I can't say that we're the the best of friends, uh, you know, but as far as working with him, he was quite the gentleman, an amazing actor. Uh, Many times went out of his way to make me a better actor by offering suggestions and guidance. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed working with him, uh, around him and under him. Uh, and I think that he did an amazing job carrying the show as the lead actor. Him, along with uh, Michael Watkins, who was the executive producer, those two guys together uh, obviously hit it out of the park. People are still watching it. They still love it, and um, I had a really nice time. It was a blessing being there, and I hope to uh, hope to have that opportunity to work with him again in the future. maybe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You knocked it out of the park on that, too, and you can really tell – uh we're we're way off in the weeds already, I knew we would be, but you can tell when an operator is actually uh not an actor but an operator first and and just the way you came across on screen when i first when I first saw you on screen, I was like yeah, this dude know knows what he's doing he knows his techniques he knows his tactics uh I came across I just want to let you know from a from a viewer's perspective,
1: yeah, thank you authenticity is a good thing because I probably suck as an actor, you know I' just uh, <laughs> don't ask me to do Shakespeare or you know, General Hospital or anything like that, probably. But doing what you know how to do. In my case, uh, it turned out to be it turned out to be a really nice match, and I was really grateful for it. And uh, yeah, thank you for the compliment. It's it's at least uh, I, I feel maybe I'm still fine tuned a little bit. Maybe my my edge is still sharp enough, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is absolutely. Yeah, method acting at its best for sure. <laughs> So the Association for Recovery of Children is really why we're here tonight. Um, this is an organization of former active intelligence officers, uh, military law enforcement personnel, and all dedicated to the recovery of missing and exploited American children in foreign and domestic locations. Kind of just give us the, the elevator pitch or the, you know, the Notes version of, of ARC and what it means to you.
1: Yeah, it's one of the uh, longest running non- profit child rescue organizations in the United States started in 1993. Uh, We're very selective with the people that we have on board, primarily tier one operators. Um, There are people that have come out of the civilian market that have really proven themselves to be excellent, particularly on the technology side of our house. But when I started in 1993, the business model of trafficking children was not as sophisticated as it is now. So the level of corruption has far exceeded uh, anything I could have imagined through the ranks of politicians, churches, law enforcement, hospitals, no one's immune from this. And, uh, and now with the, the push from the cartel being involved, um, it has become far more sophisticated to the point guy that people like you and I are actually working for the bad guys because there's so much money involved. So, whereas we started out in 1993, rescuing non-custodial parental uh, abduction cases, and then trafficking cases, um, early on, uh, the word trafficking wasn't as fashionable as it is now. Right. So, um, and now it's, uh, we've had the opportunity being some of the first on the ball field, so to speak, to watch it grow and get behind the bail and Acquire technologies that allow us to actually—and I say this with all due respect to all of my law enforcement partners—but far exceed their ability to actually go and locate a child and rescue a child. And that's only because they have budgetary constraints and they're swamped with other so many other things. But because this is the only thing we do, uh, it allows us to kind of advance uh, uninhibited by red tape and a lot of other stuff. Um, and so. Uh, We stay quite busy. 2019, I think there were close to 421,000 American children missing in the United States. So that went to runaways, child trafficking, child pornography, and the list goes on. But let me just kind of come full circle again. The business model of child trafficking as a commodity has become so dark and so deep and so sophisticated that um, Most people that are trying to actually go out and rescue children are are just behind the power curve because they don't they don't know what they're looking for. They don't know how to go up against such a sophisticated model. And um, so are we winning the world trafficking? Absolutely not. Yeah. Will we ever get rid of trafficking? No, we will not. Not until God comes home. Uh, But we can take a bite out of it uh, and we can talk about how to do that. Yeah, uh, In this segment, if you want.
0: Yeah, I remember, you know, some of my earliest times um, and again before cameras and technology, really, you get those calls and, you know, being here in the United States of Texas, as I like to say, and having a relatively close, you know, international border, mm-hmm. we get these calls from parents, hey, you know, my kid was taken and my kid's been missing. And we just feel so helpless in that situation. Especially when they say, "Hey, you know, I think someone, uh, a family member, has taken them, and they're taking them to Mexico." Mm-hmm. You know, here, you know that that's a that's a long way away for us, but it happens so quickly. We were we were hamstrung on a lot of things because who do you call? You know, uh, back in those days, we try to call Customs and Border Enforcement, but we know they're not going to hit a checkpoint. Uh, they're going to jump right across, and so now the clock is ticking, and it just. It felt so helpless at times. That's why it's so it's so important. And I'm, I'm so thankful um, that, that there's organizations like yours doing what you do, that you can flex and turn uh, so quickly to get involved in those situations when, when you guys keep uh, right up on top of the cutting edge of everything as much as possible. But like you said, it, it's for me and I and I, I think you mentioned this uh, in a roundabout way we're kind of behind in the OODA loop, right? On these, on these tracking things. I think that's, people understand that the OODA, the OODA Observe Orient Detect and Act um, Look that up. You don't know what that is, but we are kind of playing behind there. Um, so again, I just, I'm so thankful for your organization for sure.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of uh, obstacles. We have to navigate a lot of fault lines and thank, thank you for saying that about our organization, but e- and in all, with the, in all honesty, even our, even we can't do it all, um, and we were are up against. You know, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of NGOs, non-government organizations that have just kind of kind of blossomed over the many years, the most recent years. And so, sadly, a lot of those organizations are making a living off of trafficking themselves, meaning tugging on the heartstrings of people, making people aware great marketing teams, and yet doing absolutely nothing. And I, I can say that with all confidence because we're out there. We're downrange. We're out there in the field. So we know who's doing what and who's not doing what they say they're doing. Right. So that's one of the challenges there because what happens is when the population or the public puts their trust in an NGO and they find out they're bogus, well, it ruins it for everybody. Yeah. So uh, it ha- that word that you used, hamstringing, yeah, it can hamstring us too, to the point that no one wants to, uh, in, you know, invest in our our methodology, so to speak. And the and the sad thing is, and it's heartbreaking, um, is, and when when a child is missing, and they can go missing for for many reasons, uh, you know, we get these phone calls like, if you guys don't say go get our kid, no one will. They're going to be lost. And, it, and and they're heartbreaking because they're lost because they've been to the police, they've been to the State Department, they've been right. everywhere they can go, and um, there's no results. So we we feel that pain for them, um, and it's literally off the charts. I will tell you that they're almost probably, I'd say close to probably 95% of the cases that we deal with involve children that come from really rotten homes. Yeah. That's starts you want to know why a kid is missing they're seeking love you know my director of human trafficking tina Paulson, always says kids are either running to something or they're running away from something and she's absolutely right they are and so um, one of the things that we really need to get right in america in our own country is we need to get our family units probably put back on a biblical platform Where God says, hey, this is the way you treat your kids. This is the way you treat your parents. You know, this is what love's all about. Invest in your children. Because if you don't, some bad guy's going to, and then they're gone. And what's crazy about that guy, and forgive me for being long-winded on this uh, subject, but, you know, it's a little frustrating. Yeah. Sometimes we have rotten parents that want us to get the kid. They want us to clean up their mess for them. You know, and sometimes yeah. when we do find those kids, those kids don't want to go back. And guess what? I don't want to take them back either.
0: Yeah, right.
1: they be better off by going to aftercare or foster care. Sometimes in the right place because their parents are just horrible. They're yeah. just rotten. They don't know how to parent. And so this is a major problem that we have in America. When people go, where are all these? Ki- why are all these kids disappearing? Well. Why don't we look at home first and find out, you know, and most of these kids don't have, they don't have a good church family. They don't have a good church foundation. They don't know the love of God. The parents don't. And so um, we get that right. We probably will put a bigger dent in child trafficking to be honest with you.
0: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, all that a preach right there for sure. You know, and so we're seeing uh, the, the roosters are coming home to roost. So, uh, so to speak, because, law enforcement by and large now where we we could have had some proactivity. most of us, most of our departments, uh, I'm a smaller department, but we are we're reactive to everything nowadays. So you expect the parents expect me to handle their 12 year old problem in 12 minutes, right? And I then I got to move on down the road to the next thing and that's, that's that's not solving anything. That's just getting good enough. That's just doing a triage so I can I can leave that scene and go to the next one. And you're, well, absolutely, you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's no owner's manual for kids. Well, quite frankly, there is, it starts right around that, uh, that book of Proverbs. There's a lot of good stuff in that owner's manual right there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if we take a, if we add to the, the mix that we're defunding our law enforcement, mm-hmm. that, you know, we're, it, it's funny about, it's funny. It, look, we know there's, there's good people and bad people in every organization. We get that. I, and I don't think there's any organization in the United States excluded. Even when I came out of the CIA, we had good people and we had bad people. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's just that's part of any company any organization. You're going to get that. But the fact that we're defunding our law enforcement and then you defund them and then you want them to like save the world. It's yeah. the most, it's the most hypocritical thing out of society that I'm seeing today. You know, oh, when things go bad, you want a police officer there? But when it's all going a different way, all you're doing is chastising them for them doing their job. And you can't have both. You really can't have both, you know? And I I know this because we work with closely with our law enforcement partners who do a great job in assisting us or us assisting them in finding perpetrators and saving children and bringing them back every single day. They're kind of the first go-to, you know, kids missing, you need to go file a police report. You need yeah. to go talk to your law enforcement partners and communities that want to be involved in trafficking need to put together a strategic alliance with their law enforcement partners so that they can all be working together to help each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, trafficking isn't anything new. It's been around. I, I think I don't think people know that. I think it's it's come to the limelight here. You know, I'd say in the last 10 years uh, or so you get. You get the Hollywood blockbusters like take in and take in two and take in three and take it eight or whatever it is with Liam Neeson uh, that kind of bring it up to the limelight. We think of it as a as a foreign problem a lot of times, too. But this is way back even before the 1900s. It was happening. Uh, you know, and, and it was because mainly children weren't thought of, they were thought of more as property than actual individuals. Right. And, and that's why, you know, you have the, the child abuse laws didn't take place, didn't come online right away as child abuse laws. We had to use the SPCA, the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, to start child abuse laws uh, to realize, hey, this is not someone's property and, it, and you can't just do whatever you want with it. And so uh, I, I like to see the, the evolution and, and what you're bringing to the forefront. too. So in, in my in everything that we do, we kind I kind of look at it in an analytical way, especially when I'm trying to solve a problem. So there's a there's a three pronged approach. Right. You know, the prevention side of things is one of those sides. Uh, that's the awareness programs, the training, stuff like that. Uh, State Department monitoring, overseas sanctions programs, all that. Then there's the protection side, uh, the T visa, you know, so families can stay together, stuff like that. Um, for there's stuff for foreign national victims and all that. And then there's a the prosecution side as well. Um, does ARC support all three prongs of that, or, or do you are you guys heavier on one than the other?
1: Well, uh, we support all of it in one way or another. Primarily for us, ARC has a legislative agenda, which is basically, an, in all frankness, getting the death penalty put in the United States for anybody that sexually exploits a child. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're hard about that. Uh, two is we offer an equipping program, uh, not an awareness program, but a very five, very very uh, uh, intensive five day 12 14 hour a day equipping course where we teach people now to start their own NGO and actually go out and run an operation and then our third uh, wing of things is actually performing operations child rescue operations ourselves so those are the three things we have but and we support all those other things as far as prevention and all anything we can bring to the table now what we don't do, Uh, It was we don't arrest perpetrators we're not uh, we don't go after that. We we could. There are laws in certain states that allow you to arrest a perpetrator. Um, And if uh, we found ourselves in that corner, we would probably choose to use that. But what we do is we look for a window of opportunity to actually go rescue a child and and with as less trauma as possible and get them out and then get get them in the safety. A um, long time ago, we tried to be everything to everybody. We can't. Right. Um, you'll fail miserably. So we stay right in our lane, and in our lane is right when all local, state, and federal law enforcement efforts have been exhausted to go find a child. That's when we get involved, and a lot of that uh, is um, exercised through footprint contamination. Uh, that you know, most perpetrators or leave, leave something behind, whatever it may be. And while we can't get into all our tradecraft and stuff because it's sensitive, um, what we do is we have an ability pretty much to hunt anybody down around the world. A lot of that came from my CIA training. A lot of it comes from access to intelligence platforms that still exist around the world and in the United States. Um, and I think probably our greatest, our greatest capability guy is to look behind the veil. There's yeah. not many, many people, I don't care who you are, that when we start looking at you, we can tell what you're involved in and what you're doing. And that allows us to do a very good contextual analysis of, of a lot of different things to find out who the bad guys are, where they came from, how they're moving, where they're going in the future, and thus that leads us to generally finding the children and rescuing children.
0: Yeah, you know, there's an old theory out there that came out of uh, car crash uh, reconstruction days, the transference theory, right? So anytime an object touches another object, no matter how slight it always leaves uh, a, a print or an idea of itself on that other object. And, and it's no different in the virtual world or the or the, you know, the regular world. So I, I know you guys uh, that that's that's a, a key element to what you guys do and how you're able to keep up and build these cases and and. Uh, you know, like you said, the footprints are there. Um, it, it's got to. It's someone's got to be dedicated to watching the foot the footprints, and then from there, patterns will definitely evolve. Nature, uh, nature loves patterns, and patterns do evolve out of those things for sure.
1: Absolutely, and, and you know, it's interesting coming out of my old. There were times back when I was with the agency that we had a term. And I, it's probably not necessarily appropriate for the faith-based community, but it's a good term to hear. And it's ca- called dancing with the devil, but you don't poke him in the eye. And then right. the CIA, you know, being undercover in the spy world, you had to sit with a lot of rotten people We yeah. thought you were rotten also, you know, in order to gather intelligence and stuff. And so interestingly enough, when it comes to anti-child trafficking operations, you may find yourself sitting with some pretty rotten people, yeah. you know, gang members, former predators, whatever it may be, because, you know, and you have to put aside your emotional attachment to the issue, because mm-hmm. if you're emotionally attached to this issue, you literally want to go out and strangle people who are bad people, you know. But yeah. it, it can never be that. It has to be very logical, uh, very strategic, um, very orchestrated. Collecting your data, understanding why you're taking those meetings with meetings with those very very rotten people in order to get intel so that you can find the kid and ultimately save the child from being trafficked even further. So it's, uh, you know, if you're not prayed up for it, um, if God isn't in it, you know, I always tell my team, uh, it's not that God is part of the equation. It is that God is the equation. Yep, Amen. We always go back to uh, Micah six, eight, you know, what does God require of us? And there's your marching orders right there. And as long as you stay there, remember your marching orders, uh, you'll be effective in actually saving the lives of quite a few children over the course of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that that's a good. Uh, let's put a pause right there. I want to make sure that we pay some bills here and do a little promo video for the Protectors Toolkit. And then we'll come. We'll jump right back into it real quick. I'll do that. in talking to Basel Bas uh, for Association for Recovery of Children. Again, if you know somebody who's going to be blessed by this, please go out and share. We're, we're coming into the tail end of this, but we've got more things to talk about. Uh, and if you're watching this on the replay, please make sure you drop into the comments right there and let us know uh the name and church, name and church, if you want to opine, as Bill O'Reilly used to say. You know, I, I talked earlier about the movie Taken, and we, we do think this is of a, a foreign problem, but you know, from the state department alone, they, they estimated what 300,000 American children are at risk of, of trafficking. And that mainly goes into the sex industry, uh, around the globe. It's a nine, it's anywhere from a nine to $31 billion business. Uh, I heard, um, I heard a figure. It was, uh, you can buy a girl for about $10,000. And as long as she's pretty enough, you can make that money back within, within 30 days. Um, so one of the things you brought up earlier and I wanted to make sure we talked about this was your, that five day course, uh, the equipping course that you have. Can you, can you go a little
1: bit more in depth in that? Yeah. Thank you guy. Um, what early on, we started realizing that, um, a lot of people were, uh, making a lot of money off of awareness courses and, uh, people were just dissatisfied. They were like, okay, now I know. But what do I do about it? It's kind of like the old uh, picture of the missing kid on the milk carton. You know, people look at the picture on the milk carton of the missing kid. They think they've done something about it because they looked at the picture on the milk carton of the missing kid. But at the end of the day, the milk carton goes in the garbage. That doesn't bring a kid home. A child. And here's the fact about all of this. and, And the audience needs to understand this. It's very simple. A child does not come home from their perpetrator until there are boots on the ground that physically run an operation to get their hands on that child and secure them and bring them out of that torment. That's it. No, if, and, buts about it. It doesn't, you can dream about it all day long. You can speak about it. You can make people aware it doesn't happen. You don't save the life of a child until you physically go in and save the life of a child. So we realized that early on and we realized that we're just one NGO and uh and an ocean of missing children throughout the United States. And by the way, it happens here, not just over there. We've got a horrible problem with it. So what we did is we decided that we would do pretty much what we did in special operations. And that was actually train people how to run an operation. So um, if you go to our website, recoveryofchildren.org, or as you have it on here, thank you, um, or recoveryofchildren.com, it'll tell you Uh, where we're holding these different courses at certain times of the year. And it's five days of about 13, maybe 14 hours a day, very intense course on how do you start an NGO? What do you look for? What does the AO, the area of operation actually look like? And how do you actually run an operation to go rescue a kid? Down to the nuts and bolts. By the time you finish the course, uh, in addition to probably a little bit more training, you should be ready to go out in the field and and actually do that. Um, yeah. And so now what's happening is we're starting to build an army of people. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like spreading the gospel, you know, yeah, yeah. share here and they share it someplace else and share it someplace else. Um, there are a lot of people believe that they and this is across the board. We even have our law enforcement officers that come to the course and say, look, I only got one day of this. I don't really know what's going on down there. You guys are dealing in the streets all the time. Can you help us learn more? And uh, whether that's uh, DOJ or, or whoever it may be or local or state or federal, which um, really great they come. And hopefully we, at least the feedback has showed us that they're getting far more than they ever got before, which means they're more effective on the streets when it comes to actually not only knowing what to look for, but knowing how to navigate the fall lines and how to actually rescue a child. Um, the is, believe it or not, it's not very expensive. It's like, it's a hundred dollars a day. It's, <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. at me. they go, well, blah, blah, blah. You should pay for more than that. And, but I, I didn't, it's not, I didn't get into it as a business model. We right. actually literally want people to learn how to actually go out and save the lives of children. And here's the thing about it. The community has got to be involved. Yep. You know, in our in our in our constitution and our declaration, it says "we the people," and that's it. And our our law enforcement officers, they they say we're here to serve, and they are. They're here to serve the public, as our politicians are. Ultimately, though, the people have got to get involved if they want to start saving their community. And that's the way it used to be in the old days, and so we've got to get back to that. So we decided to uh, put this together, and um, it's been it's been off the charts. It's been great, and we we actually have other NGOs that have already gone out afterwards, and they're they're rescuing kids, which is great, you know. So fantastic, yeah,
0: well, yeah that that's uh that's a phenomenal thing too because. I, I liken it to uh, the cockroaches when you shine a light on them right that's what these clowns are that's that's what these guys uh, and even gals that do this this trafficking they don't they plan on the darkness always being there and, yeah. and people not paying attention but when we start when you guys start putting these ngos together all over the nation we're amping up those flashlights. And we're going to start shining a light in the dark places. And and hopefully, it just tells them, hey, this isn't going to happen here.
1: Right. Exactly. It's kind of, uh, I think the term that the audience might be familiar with is force multiplying. It's yeah. a very common term. And while we're on common terms, maybe it's appropriate now to say, look, trafficking, the word trafficking has got everybody, it's become so familiar in society yeah. that people don't even really uh, blink an eye anymore. So, Maybe we should make it very maybe we should give it the proper definition. And and what that really is, it's paid child rape. That's it. People yep. pay somebody money so that they can rape a child. One year old, two year old, five year old, 15, 16, anything under 18. Somebody says, hey, if you give me a child and let me have my way with that child and brutally torch that child sexually or whatever it may be, I'll give you this money. And yeah. people go. Here's the money. Here's the child. That's what it really is. That's what. I mean. There's adult trafficking too. There's labor trafficking. There's all these other things. But specifically for this session here, we're talking about child sex trafficking.
0: Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know why? One of the reasons I wanted to have you on, obviously, you know, for everything that you do. But there are so many systems, and we're finding this out because it, this is still an evolving thing, right? we're finding this out that there, there's so many systems that this, that a child can or probably has gone through uh, whether it's the welfare system, the foster care. I see my friend, Scott Green said this, uh, the foster care system um, that the child, the traffic child may go through and transition through at some point, even a church where the awareness level isn't there. So we're not picking up on the clues. And at some point in that process, it could stop if we knew what we were looking for and then knew how to put into action the things to get that child out of that situation. So how, how do you see the church figuring it or factoring into this and in, in being a help or a blessing?
1: Well, you're absolutely correct on so many fronts. Um, there is a problem with some foster care systems. We, we actually have a case where, going to go deal with where the foster care and I won't name what state uh, has been in business. CPS and foster care has been in business with a perpetrator for 30 years, wow. 30 years where they basically are turning over children. They're basically making uh, like a single parent look bad so that the so parent loses rights for the child. And then the CPS and foster care send the child to the perpetrator. And it's, I mean, it's out of control. So for the faith-based community, for the churches, um, we're not immune from it either. We had a case where a female um, church leader actually was the trafficker of a number of girls at a church. So the first thing that the faith-based community has got to come to grips with is that they have to get involved. Most of the churches don't get involved because they go, "Oh, well, this is this is a criminal activity." So we're going to leave it to the police, and we're going to feed people. That's what we do. We just feed people. We just house people, um, and uh, we don't do anything else. Well, I I don't think that's scripturally sound, to be honest with you. Even Jesus dealt with people that were being prostituted, you know. So,
0: um,
1: and then the second thing is the church. Instead of, and I say this religiously diplomatically. Okay, that's a really weird thing. got to get off their high horse and realize they don't know everything about the woes of the world. Right. Because they, um, they need to understand the AO, the area of operation and understand what it looks like when a child's being trafficked in their church, in their community, whatever it may be. And they need to be able to influence it through education or actual operations to save those children from that. And what that requires is the church making it a priority and saying, look, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to educate our people, whether it's through ARC and our five-day program or somebody else. It's got to be more than awareness. They've got to know what they're looking for. It would be like, how many times does Satan walk in the church and you don't recognize what he looks like? <laughs> right, you know, right. yeah. ever happened? Well, I don't know. I grew up in the age of tent revivals, and a lot of preachers, that had a lot of great suits and drove Cadillacs. And the reason my grandfather wouldn't go to a tent revival is because he said, They're hypocrites, we're in the depression, we're suffering and we're giving our money to that guy and he's driving around in another brand new Cadillac. And so hypocrisy in itself is a very dangerous thing in our faith-based community. So let's like go, okay, let's not be hypocritical. If God is calling us to save those that are lost, then the question is how many missing and exploited and lost children are there out there in the United States and why aren't we doing something about it?
0: Yeah. Amen to that. You know, we, we talked about ARC being just a fantastic resource. And again, I can't tell people enough. We need to rush over after this, obviously not right now, (laughs) rush over to ARC and please donate to their cause. What what is going on over there and what you're hearing us talking about, it doesn't just happen for free. All the technology that Boz has talked about, all the things and the operations that they run it doesn't just happen for free there's not just you know wheelbarrows full of money sitting outside and they go on light their cigars off a hundred dollar bills no it comes from men and women like you in the community who go over and just you know ten dollars ten dollars is something you can do without today to make sure that boz and his crew can do what they need to be doing to get these children uh rescued out of these situations But, Boz, what would you say for the layperson just getting into this? What what are some other great resources
1: or tools you would recommend they have? Well, first, if you're even interested in the anti-trafficking arena, uh, you can go online and there's just oodles and oodles of information. Not all of it is accurate information, um, but there's a lot there. That's where you first start. The second place, and I tell people this all the time, and it's not that I'm pushing our equipping course, but I have people call up literally every week and go, how do, how do I get involved? And I tell them, I go, look, you know, your capabilities more than I know your capabilities. So come to the course and you'll learn where you can fit in rather yeah. than me trying to convince you where you fit in. You know, it's uh, it'd be like, um, what'd well, be like you guy. It's like, you know, you could say, Hey, um, how do I learn how to drive a race car, in NASCAR, you know, it'd be like, okay, come to the track, look, take a few laps around, learn everything you can about the ge- the geometry of racing and whatever it may be. And then you'll know whether you want formula one, you know, oval track, what it, you're going to know that. But honestly, when it, I will tell people this, you have to be called to do this. Mm -hmm. This is not just a really nice thing to do part of the time. We literally are involved in this 24-7. We get a call, we go. I mean, it's not. So unless you're called to do this, unless it is tugging on your heart, unless God has said, this is what I want you to do, don't do it. Because I'll tell you something, it's it's heart-wrenching. It's grueling. It it will destroy (laughs) your family, you know, because unless your whole family's involved, of course, unless they did, because even as much as I did downrange with the CIA, um, we still got breaks and that was exciting. This is a whole, this is a whole different arena and uh, it involves a lot of corruption. There's a spiritual component to it. It involves demonic processes. I mean, it, it hits you from everything. So imagine this, if you're the type of person that doesn't mind being in Fort Apache. A lot of people, of course our younger audience won't know that, Fort <laughs> Apache, if you recall, in the old John Wayne movies, it was a fort sitting in the middle of the desert and that was it. And it was surrounded by Indians and it was attacked every single day. And, you know, and well, that's what this is. It's Fort Apache. Because yep. not only do you have NGOs that get great grant money that are trying to compete and will try to destroy you because of money, Because they're trying to build or fabricate a name for themselves. You got the bad guys. And then you got the people that aren't honest with you. And then you got all the work that you have to do to actually do the investigation, to actually hopefully see if the kid is still alive and then go get the kid. And it doesn't come free from your time, from your finances uh, at all. So, again, that's for those who want to get into it, make sure you're called to do it. If you're called to do it, then you'll have people like our organization that will come alongside of you and mm-hmm. a few other good organizations and they'll help you get down the road.
0: Yeah. So make sure if, if you're if you are feeling this on your heart, if you're feeling convicted about this, then by all means, go over to the Association for Recovery of Children and sign up uh, to host a course. Have a, have a course uh, hosted and make sure that you're getting all the correct information and I, I can't tell you enough, like like Boz has said here, it, it is a spiritual warfare that you're going to get involved in because you're going to start pulling on a string and it's going to unravel and unravel and unravel. And it's never going to stop. Uh, it's it's going to be never ending, never ceasing. And so if your spiritual life, if you're not strong in that, uh, because the enemy is going to be attacking you every step of the way, because he is that he is deeply involved in this for sure. So make sure that side of it. I know Boz and his team, they pray up. Um, it, when you and I met, I was doing protection for General Boykin, and, and he just talked right. about how he prayed for every before every mission that they did, uh, and and that's the same thing we do here at my office, and 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 for my family. Quite frankly, it, we've got to have that spiritual side of it just strong, uh, especially when we're dealing with the forces of evil here.
1: Absolutely, it's a it's really important. I see a lot of NGOs that are filled with non-believers, mm. um, and I will tell you what I see them. Not very successful. Right. And I think one of the reasons for that uh, is their lack, they lack the relationship that you have to have with God. I tell people, these are God's kids. He loves them. You know, Jesus said it is better that a millstone be put around a man's neck and he's thrown into the water than to ever have harmed one of these little ones. I think the Hebrew translation for that or the Aramaic translation for that is you die. Yeah. Because if someone puts a millstone around your neck and throws you in the water, you're drowning, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So I think that it's fair for me to say that uh, the wrath of God uh, is kindled when it comes to anybody touching a child. Um, yeah. Now, it may be that way for adults, too, but I just, you know, there is a demonic component um, to all of this when it comes to child trafficking and the horrific things that are done to children. I remember a guy, I was giving a speech at uh, a conference and there was a lady, I can see her face. I don't remember her name. She was a psychologist. And she said, uh, she raised her hand and she said, uh, boss she goes, can I, can I ask you? She said, don't you think that it's important for us to try to understand why a pedophile uh, molest a child so that we can kind of try to Maybe make that pedophile better or, you know, make them a better person in society. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, let me explain something to you. It is pure evil. And I don't care why they do it. I know that what they do is wrong. And that's all I care about. They're committing a crime, a heinous crime against a child, an innocent child. And I'm not here to try to, you know, revamp their life. I'm here right. to save the child and it's pure evil. And that's the way I feel about it. And an actually guy out of all the perpetrators behind bars that I've uh, actually spoken with uh, and said, and I was curious and it's quite a few of them. I, I wanted to say, I said, uh, what is there one thing? What's the one thing that would have prevented you as a pedophile from harming that child? Guy, every single one of them said, if I thought I was going to get the death penalty, I would have thought twice. But now I'm getting seven years and I'm going to be out in three. And then when you ask them, do you think that you're going to do this again? Most of the time, every one of them says, yeah, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. so wherever that is, it's it's all I can tell you, it's not appropriate and we should we should be protecting the most innocent of our society. And that's our children. And yet and yet we still have people in Congress that are still pushing agendas to make pedophilia uh, instead of a crime, uh, a disease. And that right. it's a, and the LGBT is pushing that it's a gender thing. And, you know, and trying to soften up the, the you know, the, the 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 sides of this by saying, Oh well, what's wrong with uh, an adult having a uh, sex with a child? That's their preference and everything. I'm not buying it. Yeah, I'm buying it, and uh, I'll tell you what. I don't have any children of my own, but I would tell the world this: if I did have children, you touch my child, it's the last thing you'll see on this earth. You know? Yeah,
0: it, it is. You know, when we we're starting more and more, uh, and I'm not saying I don't even need to say starting. It is just more and more important that we replace facts with feelings. You know, and so everybody has a feeling and their feeling is the most important, despite what all facts say. And that's uh, that's the unfortunate side of the world that we're we're living in now.
1: Yeah. The fact is, when you sexually exploit a child, they're damaged for the rest of their life. Yep. That trauma doesn't go away. I know that I'm down there. I see it. We we do trauma protocols with these victims. And then uh, and I hate to say this, but. They would suffer less if they if if they were murdered right off the bat. It's, it's horrible because they go through their whole life. And I always tell people, how do you murder a child without killing them? And yeah. the answer is you sexually exploit them. And that's the truth.
0: It is. So we're going to one of the things we do here is the eight great. Uh, I call them the eight great ways you can help fight human trafficking for a church. I'm going to go through these then, Boz, and then I'll toss it over to you if you have anything you want to add in here. So, number one, learn the indicators like Boz was talking about of human trafficking by taking a training course like their five-day intensive course over at ARCS. Number two, volunteer and support anti-trafficking efforts in your community. Boz already talked about that. We have to coalesce and come together as a community to shine the light on these type of issues in our own backyard sometimes. Number three, host awareness events and community forums with anti-trafficking leaders like Voz or collectively support a local victim service provider. They need your support as well. Number four, make sure your congregation and parents know how to talk to your kids about sextortion and grooming. Grooming is happening through video games, even like Fortnite. You got to be there watching your kids and listening to how they're interacting and who's interacting with them. Number five, report trafficking activity and abusive content. Technology has allowed for the proliferation of this online. So, again, be around your kids that are online and know what they're doing. Talk to your representatives about child sex trafficking legislation. This goes along with the thought that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Be squeaky. Be loud. Raise awareness. You can't call too much. They are elected by you to serve you. Donate to organizations addressing child sex trafficking like ARC. Go over there right after this program. And if you would, make your donation, whatever's on your conscience, whatever's on your heart, after hearing us talk about this, make your donation over to ARC so they can continue doing the good thing that they're doing over there and fighting the good fight. And number eight of the eight great: stay informed and share what you've learned. If this has blessed you in some way, share it with somebody that is also going to be blessed by it. If you're going through the five-day course and it's blessing you, make sure other people know to get that course as well and develop those, like Boz said, the NGOs in your area so we can increase the brightness, the lumens on the light for child sex trafficking. Anything you want to add into that, Boz?
1: Yeah, Guy, just one thing. I would say that at your church, get your, your board of deacons together and sit down and ask the hard question. Do we have any trafficking in our congregation? Do we have any pornography? Who's looking at it? Who in our congregation is or could be trafficking children? And guess what? Who in our staff could yeah. be trafficking children? It's a really hard question to ask because uh, we try to keep holy ground at the churches, but we have a problem there. And uh, that's the only thing I would I would ask the, the congregations to do is just ask the hard question.
0: Absolutely, that's great. So uh, we put it up a, a number of times, but what's the best way for people to reach out to you and ARC, Boz? Say again, Guy, I'm sorry. What's the best? We've put it out a, t- a bunch of times here, but I want to know how, how can people reach out to you and ARC for more information?
1: Sure. If you go to www.recoveryofchildren.org, or you can go to info at uh, You can contact us there and we'd be more than happy to help you out any way we can. And uh, in this entire process to get you involved. And uh, and we thank you for your donations. You're right, Guy. Uh, I'm not really good at asking for donations. My staff gets me on that all the time. Uh, but uh, you're right. In order to fly from point A to point B, uh, unfortunately, uh, American Airlines or Delta doesn't give us free tickets and no one fuels our car up for us to get a team on the ground to run surveillance. So we greatly appreciate uh, that plug for us. We really, and we appreciate those who donate to us. Please keep in mind, at Art, no one gets a salary, so your money's not going into our pocket. Uh, it goes straight to operations.
0: Very good, very good. Well, Boz, I want to tell you, you know, being being your friend uh, uh, is just a blessing to me. I feel better every time I'm around you. I think I've told you that before. Uh, so I, I wanted to thank you for taking time and pausing what you do to be on Protector's Toolkit tonight. Uh, so
1: thank you humbly from me. Thank you, Guy. It's a blessing. Thank you for contact us. If you see General Boykin, tell him I said hello. I haven't spoken to him in a while. Love that yep. man. Uh, I was in gonna... the same time he was there. And uh, and uh, he's a man of God. And I, I appreciate his wisdom. And he's probably the funniest guy I've ever seen up on stage before. The guy's got it down, I'll tell you.
0: He does. He nails it. And, and we had breakfast that morning. And he just, he's just he got so many stories. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah, I'm going to get them on the program one of these days. I'll I'll make sure to tag you so you can sit in on that, too.
1: Sounds good, then. So
0: All All right, right. let's do all of our sign-off stuff. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. Turn on your notifications. Go to YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that bell. Ding it for us so you get the latest and greatest when it comes up new for you. Make sure you go over and check out our podcast. Word and a weapon. Word and a weapon where I give you something from the word that's impacted my day that day, that week, that month, and I also give you a weapon that you can take with you, a tip, trick, or technique to have on your tool belt as a Christian walking around the day and times that we're living in. Don't forget to navigate over to our membership site. This is what we're all about here in Protectors Toolkit. Knowledge is power. We want to make sure that you're jumping into the membership site, and we give you the one thing that you physically cannot go out there and buy. That's time back in your day, time to develop the safety and security protocols, plans, and procedures that you want to have at your church we want to make sure we're helping you professionalize your safety and security ministry at your church we're still booking we have some dates in september and october available for your live in-person training whether it's firearms training whether it's essential to church safety and security whether you're building a team or already have a team we're going to come live and in person to your church if you're going to host a course we're going to give you up to a 500 grant back just for hosting don't forget if you need a risk assessment whether virtual or in person we do that for you as well And go out there, go find ARC, find all of our stuff, like, subscribe and do the thing and make sure warriors that you do the thing that I always ask you to do. Keep them safe. Thanks.